This is how you should pray. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're going to look at today. See, because the other thing that's amazing is when, is there anybody in here? Because I do this. When you pray, and you, I don't know if it doesn't matter if your eyes are closed or not, but when you pray, how many of you actually have an image of God in your mind when you pray? Oh, like, okay, you might want to try that. Um, I don't know, it's, it's an idea. Uh, it, but it's interesting because sometimes we don't want to put an image to God because what does he look like? I don't know, you know. Um, Jesus was probably not, not Caucasian, you know, with flowing hair. But, um, but when he's our father, one of the things I try to do is now, even as a, this might sound weird, but as a 43-year-old man, there's times when I feel like, dude, I just need to pop up into your lap because <laughs> life is just kicking me, you know, and I need your strength. And so, so when I pray father, sometimes I actually picture myself just coming up and having him go... <laughs> You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> but here's the second thing. Did you know that your father is a king? See, because the image I have in my mind when I pray is I do get to go to my father, and it's kind of like unbelievable because I walk into the throne room in heaven, and he's on this throne. That's my dad. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine having a dad who's like the king of all the earth? A dad who reigns over everything, who has ultimate authority, ultimate power, whatever he says happens, and that's who you go to. So you don't just go to your father who's just kind of warm and fuzzy. You go to your father who is the king. And and this is the next thing that we need to go into because what you need to understand is that once you bring God into your life, and and I just know for me sometimes it feels like he invades my life, like he invaded it. And, that's, and it's a kind of a funky term because one of the things you need to understand is God will never force his way into your life. And if, if you're here today, you know, and you're just checking out God and you're checking out Christianity and wondering what all, all this will mean, one of the greatest things you can know is even though God is the king of all the earth, even though he created you, even though he holds your life in his hands and knows the number of days that you're going to breathe, even though he has all that power, he will never, ever force his way into your life. You know why? Because God is love. And love never forces anybody to do anything. Now, but when that love starts to overwhelm you and he gets inside you, it can feel like God just comes in and he just takes over. And what you realize is, oh my goodness, the one that I said, yeah, I'll receive you into my life is the king. And when you're a king, that means you reign. It means you rule. And so when we look at this, and I don't know about for you, but we don't have, I don't know, we don't use kingdom very much, you know, here in America. And for me, when I do think of kingdom, I go right back to all those, you know, uh, movies with knights and, you know, and castles and, and land. And, and I don't know, for you, maybe when you've prayed this, Maybe you've gone, our Father, you know, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and you go, I have no idea what that means, so I'll just get to the, let me confess my sin thing, and, you know, and we'll just move on. Because what the kingdom means, you guys, is not, it's not a piece of property. It's not a, a land, obviously. In fact, in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, it says, Once, having been asked by a Pharisee, and a Pharisee at this time, was a, 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 it was kind of like a minister for the Jewish people. He was a religious leader of that time. And a, this, one of these Pharisees came up to him, and having been asked by the Pharisee when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come 
with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is in you. See, now this freaked Jewish people out during this time. Because they were waiting for the kingdom to come. But they thought what it meant was, our king is going to come. The Jewish, we have a new king, and he's going to wipe out the Romans, and we're finally going to get our land back. And then Jesus comes and he goes, don't look for it like that. My kingdom actually is within you. Now, what does that mean? Because I'm telling you, if Jesus taught us to pray, and he said, man, you guys, when you pray, pray for my kingdom, for the Father's kingdom to come. And we don't even know what a kingdom is. How can we pray it? Here's what it is. I read a guy this week, and he said, I wish that every time the kingdom was used in Scripture that the actual English word should have been reign. It's, it's God's reign. It's his rule. So in other words, it's, it's really what we should say is, man, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your reign come. Your authority, what does that mean? It's whenever God gets to call the shots. When you're praying, Father, your kingdom come, what you're saying is, I want you to call the shots. When you're asking for his kingdom to come, it's whenever his ways are actually being listened to, trusted, and they're being followed. See, because God's ways, you guys, are everything that is right. When God reigns and when he rules in you, what you were really saying is, you get to call the shots in my life. I want your ways to happen in me so that I can live like you out into this world. God, I want your ways. You can pray this for other people, not just for yourself. Man, pray for your children. Pray for your wife, your husband. Pray for your friends. Pray for, pray for anybody and ask God for his kingdom to come in them. Because when that happens, guess what, you guys? Everything changes. <laughs> When God gets to call the shots and we don't, everything changes. You know why? Let's go to the next part. What is it? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Did you guys know? I checked it this morning. There are 6,883,265,000 wills on this planet. Do you guys know there's a website, by the way, that you can actually go and it'll show you how many people are being born by the second? I mean, it's absolutely crazy. So this is supposedly right up to date. No. Okay. Anyway, um, but here's what's wild. There are 6,883,000,000 wills on earth, and there's still only one in heaven. There's one will in heaven. And all of you, me included, all of us have a will, don't you? You have your own desire, you have your own passions, you have your own dreams. You have your own thoughts. You know what you want to do. And you take all the intellect that you have, your emotions, your experience, your passions, you put them all together, and then by your will, you choose all day long how you're going to live. That's what you do. Is it not amazing to know that God has a will? God has one. See, he's not just up there saying, you know, hey, I'm here if you need me, and uh, you guys, good luck down there, and do kind of whatever you feel like it and then uh, I'm here to help you. No, Jesus said, that's not how we pray. Well, actually, that's how we pray, but he taught us not to do that because we love to ask God to help us, right? Hey, God, I got this great idea. I've got this plan. I have this. Would you kind of bless that? Would you help that? And Jesus is going, 
And that's not how you should pray. If you really want to connect with God to the point where your life changes and you actually find the life that he has for you, then what you do is you say, your kingdom come, you sit on the throne of my heart, and your will be done. And you guys, when God's will starts to get done in our life, I'm telling you, everything begins to change. And it's absolutely critical. I, I know for me, I, I feel like this is one of the toughest things for me in all my life. And you know why? Because I want to run my life, don't you? I mean, I, I do. I, it's, it's amazing to me. I, I love God, and I want to do what he wants me to do. But when I wake up in the morning, I mean, I can sense within me <laughs> that I have my plans for today, and I know how I want this to happen, and I know what I want to do. This is why prayer is critical for you or me to ever live the life that God has for us. Because on a daily basis, we're going to have to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not mine, on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what? This is really, really hard. I'll be totally honest with you. Uh, for me in my prayer time, this many days takes a while to actually get it to a point where I'm not just reciting the Lord's Prayer, but where I really do want His will to be done in my life. Because most days, I don't. I can say it up here. How many of you want God's will to be done in your life? Okay, great. How many of you struggle to want God's will to be done in your life? Okay, so I just want to make sure you're on the same page. Um, Because that's what it's like. You want it as a follower of Christ, but you have this other nature inside of you that does not want to follow Him. You know, and I just think of prayer. I mean, how many times, how many of you pray and it just feels like it hits a ceiling, doesn't go anywhere? You ever, anybody ever pray like that? It's just, yeah, how many of you fall asleep when you pray? Yeah. I, isn't that hilarious? I mean, if we all know this. I love that. Anytime you ask that question, everybody starts laughing because it's like, wow, I didn't know that anybody else knew. You know, and, and we're all in this boat together. You know, can I just share with you, and, and I don't know this for sure, but I have a pretty good guess, and I've talked to others about this. I think... The reason we fall asleep when we pray, and there have been times when I really want to pray, I need to pray, and I, you know, I believe it's because there's a spiritual enemy. If you read the scriptures, you will find out that we have a spiritual enemy who wars against our soul. It says he wars against your soul. You know the last thing he wants? The last thing he wants is for God's will to be done in your life. So man, we're all too busy to pray, right? Don't have time, I can't get up in the morning or I'm too distracted or I fall asleep. And I'm telling you, if you struggle to pray like I struggle to pray, one of the things that might encourage you is to know the reason you might be struggling is because there is a spiritual force coming against you to keep you from doing it. How important is it that you and I would pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. How important is it? Do you guys remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus Christ, his very last days. I remember when I was in Israel, it was one of the most important places for me to be. To stand in the garden where Jesus was kneeling before his father, sweating like drops of blood because he was so stressed out in this moment. And why was he under so much anguish? Because his will was in conflict with the Father's will. Now, some of you theologians are going, oh, can that happen? I don't know. 
All I can say is when Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done, that was the critical moment. And I'll, let me go even kind of a little farther here. Like sometimes we say, man, Jesus died for you on the cross because he loves you so much. See, I think Jesus died for us on the cross because he did love us, obviously. But I think he died for us on the cross because he loved his father so much. And he could be in so much anguish. And I'm telling you, as a human being, God's will clashes with my will all the time. All day long sometimes. Because his ways are not my ways. And so, again, so why prayer is so important and why Jesus had to go to pray. And in this moment, he said, hey, and all you guys, my 12 you know, cohorts, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I got to go to my Father and I've got to pray because I'm struggling to do the Father's will. So when you struggle to do his will, maybe you should pray. And what you need to pray is your kingdom come, your will be done. And thank you, Jesus for saying, not my will, but yours be done. You guys, look what happened because Jesus Christ did what his father wanted him to do. You and I have a savior. You and I, all of our sin is completely forgiven. You and I now can have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us because Jesus didn't live for his will, but he lived for his father's will. See, because God's will is good and pleasing and perfect, it says in Romans 12. Paul also said that his will, the, God, the kingdom of God, is a kingdom of righteousness, which means it's just things that are right. It's a kingdom of joy and of peace. And your spiritual enemy does not want you to do that. He does not want you to experience that. Because not only is it good for you, but because every time you say, not my will, but yours be done, you know what happens? God not only blesses you, but he starts to bless people through you. God's will is for everyone in this world to be saved. He loves the world. And I always just wonder, what would happen in your life? What would happen in my life if when I prayed, I actually prayed, your kingdom come and your will be done? Well, you know what would happen? I can tell you this much you and I, we would go for a ride. <laughs> and God would take us into places we've never dreamed and he would do things through you like you never knew he could do. And I just want to tell you right now, that's what we want for you. It's what I want for me and I know it's what God wants for this church and that's why we're talking about what we're talking about today. All right? So, here's the deal. Um, that's the first part of the message. So that's the set. And now we're going to go for the spike. And I am so excited today uh, to introduce to you um, uh, a guest speaker and a new friend um, who's here to share the next part of the message. His name is Vince Ananucci. Would you welcome Vince uh, up to the stage up here? <clears throat> Oops, sorry, you need it. Cool. I, I met Vince, man, I don't know, about four years ago at a conference. And I think we'd had two conversations at conferences for like, Three minutes each. Right. And, um, but Vince is a church planner, and, um, and so we have a lot of, of familiar people, and they have connected us together uh, for a new effort that Vince is going to share with you here in a, in, a, in a moment. 
And it was really cool. Um, so Dawson, his son, and Jen, his wife, were over here. And Marissa, their daughter, must be in Adventure Canyon. But we just got to hang out with them yesterday. It was a fantastic day. Um, but I really wanted Vince to be able to come up and share with you both because of our partnership that we're going to be involved in, but also because his life, which he's going to share with you, just some cool p- stories of his life, has really been an experience of your kingdom come and your will be done. And so uh, I think you're going to love this. So thanks for being here, man. Uh, it's, it's an honor to be here. I have known about this church uh, since before it ever really started and I've been praying for you guys. I'm just a fan of what you're doing and of Dave. And so it's an honor to actually be here and get to meet you. And, uh, and so Dave asked me to kind of share my story and some of the stories of times where this prayer, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven, have become very real in my life. So here's me. Uh, my mother is Jewish and my father was a professional poker player, gambler, con man. And so you might guess that they didn't take me to church a whole lot. And you'd be right. I actually literally never went to church one single time growing up. And not only did I not go to church, as far as I know, I never met a Christian. Uh, I'm sure I did, but no one ever like identified themselves that way. No one ever uh, mentioned God to me, told me about Jesus, invited me to church. And so my life, even though I was right here in America, I was never touched by Christianity. And so on uh, the Easter morning of my sophomore year in college, I was going to school in Buffalo, New York. Uh, anybody from Buffalo? Good for you. You're lucky. Uh, but uh, I went to, uh, I, my, I was waiting for my girlfriend to go out to brunch. She was late as usual. And so I turned on the TV. It didn't occur to me that it was Sunday morning, that it was Easter Sunday or anything. And so I flipped through. We, we didn't have cable. We had three channels. And every channel had on what I considered to be a dumb religious show. And so I would have turned the TV off. But the last show I turned to looked like kind of comical. Uh, it was this older man. And when I say older, I mean like barely alive kind of older. And he was, uh, the weird thing was he was like way sitting, like way low in this red leather overstuffed chair. I mean, he was like kind of sunk into it oddly. And, uh, and I'm like, weird, How, you know, kind of odd. And, and right when I was about to turn the TV off, he spoke and I will never forget what he said. He said this, he said, now we've been studying the last week of Jesus Christ's life. And today we're going to talk about, and then honestly, I don't remember what he said because he said something about Jesus' life and it meant nothing to me. Flew right past me. He said, now, most scholars believe that this event happened on the Tuesday of Jesus last week. But today I will prove to you through the evidence that it actually occurred on the Wednesday of Jesus last week. It's the first thing I ever heard about Jesus other than using his name as a curse word. And so I heard that, and I thought for a minute, and I was like, yeah, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. I mean, I admit, I don't know anything about Jesus, but if he lived at all, it was like a couple thousand years ago, and you're talking about Tuesday or Wednesday? And so I turned off the TV in disgust, knocked on the door, went out to brunch. But for some reason, I could not explain the rest of the day, I just kept thinking about what that guy said. You know, why did he say Tuesday or Wednesday? And evidence, I was a pre-law major. I ended up going to law school. And so I was into evidence. I was like, how can he say evidence about something that happened that long ago? And, and so I was just like, kept thinking about it. That night, I was sitting in my girlfriend's dorm room. And I'm just sitting there. I looked up at her bookshelf and I saw a Bible. I was like, you have a Bible? She's like, somebody gave that to me years ago. I've never even opened it. And I was like, could I, could I like borrow it? And she's like, you can have it. I don't want it. And I was like, cool. And, and so I grabbed this Bible, went back to my dorm room and uh, decided I was going to kind of check it out. And I had never touched a Bible and I opened it and I assumed it would be set up kind of like the TV guide by day and time because the whole Tuesday, Wednesday 
debate that was apparently tearing up Christianity. And so I opened it, and uh, it was a student Bible. I don't know if you've ever seen these, but instead of opening it, and like the first thing is Genesis 1-1, like in most Bibles, in a student Bible, the first thing you get to, it says reading plans. And so it says reading plan through uh, Abraham's life, reading plan through Moses' life, through David. I'm kind of flipping through. I don't know what any of this is. And then I see reading plan through Jesus' life. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that one and find out, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday. And so... Uh, it said, read Matthew 1, then Mark 2, then John 3, and kind of gives you this plan to kind of get an overview of Jesus' life. And, and so I turned there, and, and again, I've never read a Bible, but I thought it would read like a myth or a tall tale that I, thought, I was sure it would begin once upon a time. There lived a man named Jesus who did good things for people and walked on water and healed dead people, and he had a... a ox named babe and you know blue ox and he could lasso a tornado and i'd be like yeah i've read these stories before whatever and and so as i started reading through this plan i have to tell you that i was stunned stunned because i don't know if you've ever noticed this if you've read about jesus life but time after time what the bible does is it says at this place in this particular place at this particular time jesus did this thing and then you get to the next chapter, it says, now in this town, at this time, Jesus did that thing. And as I read, I was like, wow, I, I was totally intrigued because you don't, you don't put time and place for myths. You know, if you put a time and place, I can go back and find out if it really happened. Because like if it's only in the Bible, why would something that big and dramatic only be talked about in the Bible? It has to be somewhere else. And if it's not, then throw this thing away. And, and so I, my mind is kind of reeling. And I'm like, all right, I'm intrigued. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this reading plan. And, and I start reading. And I learned for the first time in my life that the Bible claimed that there was a God and that he loved me. Never heard that. And I learned for the first time that the Bible claimed that he had sent his son Jesus to live for me and to die for me and that through Jesus I could have a relationship with him and and that someday I could go to heaven and I had never heard that. And I decided that I had to know that I was gonna read the Bible and I was gonna study the evidence and if it was true, I would become a Christian and if it wasn't true, I would spend the rest of my life making fun of Christians for believing in something that I could prove was false. And so I spent months studying and uh, the, the Bible and evidence for and against it. And eventually, just little by little, my doubts were just overwhelmed by faith. And, uh, and eventually I got to a point where I was like, this thing is, is real and true, and I want to, to follow Jesus. You know, it's, it's kind of ironic being here today and what you guys are talking about, because uh, as, I, as I studied it, I, I started out honestly believing that there was a 0% chance that the Bible was a true thing, you know, an accurate thing. And, uh, but as I read it, it was like, huh. And it just kind of, and I, and I got to a point where I was like, maybe, maybe. And, and then finally, I, can, I distinctly remember this night, I was sitting in my dorm room and I'm reading and I was like, I more believe this than I don't believe it. I don't believe it, but like I had hit like the 51% mark and I was like, I think there's a greater chance this is true than it's not true. And I was, I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm like, what, you know, what do I do? And I, I thought, I think I probably should pray. Like I'd never done it. I'd never even conceived of talking to this guy I didn't believe in. So I, I, said, I thought, I think I should pray. And I had no idea how to do it. I'd never heard a prayer, never been taught anything about prayer. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. But then I remembered in this reading plan, I had read this chapter where they had, somebody had asked Jesus how to pray and he taught them. So I'm like, where was that? And so I'm looking and f- looking and finally I find it and I find what you guys are studying in this series. And I'm like, okay. And so I got down on my knees next to my dorm room bed I read the prayer that Jesus taught them, just read it, and kind of closed my Bible, and I was like, 
Okay. And that, that was it because I didn't know what else to do. And uh, it was just weird. So, so it's interesting. I, I had decided to, to follow Jesus, to become a Christian. But as far as I knew, I had still never met one. Just about the same time after this decision, I went down to Florida to visit my father. He had just gotten out of prison, which is a long story, but he co-owned a company with Ted Williams, the famous baseball player, and my father embezzled $37,000 or something, went to jail. I had just gotten out of jail. I hadn't seen him in years. And so I thought I should go visit him, went and saw him. I got there, and that night I said, hey, uh, I don't know what you'll think or if you care, but I decided to be a Christian. He said, really? I said, Yeah. He said, wow. He said, who, who have you been talking to? And I said, nobody. I, I don't think I've met one. And uh, he said, well, do you want to? Because there was a minister who visited me in jail a bunch of times and did Bible studies. And my guy his business card. I could call him. And I said, yeah, I got to meet one of those guys. And so he called them. And this guy said, I'll come right over. It was like 1030 at night. He comes over. We talked to like 2 in the morning. The next day, I went to his church. And I got baptized. And after I got baptized, he said, hey, when you go back to school in Buffalo, where are you going to go to church? And I said, I don't know. I don't even think I'll go. That's weird. And he said, well, you know, you need to go. And I was like, where would I go? And he said, I actually know a pastor up in Buffalo. And I said, that's fine. He said, would you go to his church? I said, that's the only church I know of, sure. And so uh, he wrote down the name of the pastor and the name of the church and the phone number. Let me show you how new I was to all this. I went back to Buffalo like a couple days later, got out this number. I called the number. This lady answered the phone and said the name of the church. I said, hi, can I please speak to Mr. Walker? And she said, I'm sorry, he's not here. And I went, oh. She said, what's wrong? And I said, well, I I just really wanted to come to church on Sunday. She said, oh, no, no, he'll be here on Sunday. He's just not here today. You can talk to him on Sunday. I said, yeah, but how would I get in? She said, how would you get in? I said, yeah, how will I get in? She said, do you mean how will you get here? Because I can give you directions right now. I said, no, I can find your church, but how will I get in? She said, how will you get in? I said, how will I get in? How will I get in? She said, I just don't understand. If you can find the You'll, you'll drive up, and then you'll just walk in. I said, yeah, but I don't have, like, a permission slip or an invitation or something. You know, that's why I wanted to meet with your pastor so I could get something on paper to, so when I walk in. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. She said, you'll just drive up, and you can just walk in. I said, is that just your church? And she said, no, no, that's any church. I said, oh, so this Sunday, I can just drive up to any church I want and just walk in. She said, exactly. I went, huh? That, I think that's the strangest thing I have ever heard. And she said, you are definitely the strangest person I have ever talked to. And so, and that, that's my story. That's kind of my whole introduction to Christianity and how I came to follow Jesus. And, and you know, ever since that first awkward night kneeling down in my dorm room, I have just continued to try and pray this prayer. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, you know, and, and as it is in heaven, I want it to be done on earth for me. And, uh, and, and what I've been learning, it's been like 18 years now, but, but what I've been learning is that praying this prayer, kind of like Dave spoke of, it's about being a kingdom person. It's about saying, God, I truly want you to be the king of my life. I want to go past just believing that you're up there and talking to you. I want you to be the king and call the shots for my life. I want to do what you want me to do. And and I've been learning that it's also about bringing the kingdom of God to other people. You know, praying this prayer is about praying, God, I don't want to be selfish with you and your kingdom because I've gotten to meet this amazing God who's changed my life. His kingdom is the best thing I've ever experienced. And so I want to, to bring that to other people. And I've been learning that when I pray this prayer seriously, like I really pray it, 
that it always makes me uncomfortable. Because it's almost always true that what God's will is, is not what would come naturally to me. That, that God's will is something that will lead me to serve others rather than my own interest. And God's will is something that will help to, to grow and advance his kingdom rather than mine. And so it's never what I would naturally choose, but it's always what's best. And I've been finding that over and over. Like, when I, when I became a Christian, I was just about to go to law school, and I, I actually got a full scholarship to, a, like, a top 15 law school. They said, we will pay for everything. You won't spend a penny. And I found out that the average salary coming out of that law school was $80,000. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to graduate with no loans, 80000 I am set. And, and so I went off to law school, and I loved it. A lot of people hate law school. I love law school. But the whole time, I was just kind of praying, God, what's your will for my life? I want your will for my life. And I just knew, just over time, that God was kind of steering me away from law school and a career in law to seminary, which I didn't even know what that was at the time, uh, but to, to have a career in ministry where I could share Jesus with people. And so I looked into it, and I found out what seminary was, and I found out that the, the one I was directed to was $15,000 a year, and the average salary coming out was $25,000. And so I was like, okay, uh, no tuition and an $80,000 salary, or $15,000 a year tuition and a $25,000 a year salary. But I pray, God, what's your will? What will be best for your kingdom? And so I left law school and went to seminary. And after seminary, I did an internship at this huge church. at had 11,000 people at the time, and it's bigger now. And, and at the end of the internship, they said, hey, we've got a job for you. We want you to stay. Uh, here's what we want you to do. Your salary will be $40,000. I was like, oh, that's a lot better than I thought. They said, you'll get uh, benefits, retirement package. I was like, sweet. And so, man, it's like, this is great. I also got another offer. It was from a church just outside of Washington, D.C. And uh, it was a, a little a new church, about two years old. And on a good Sunday, they had 80 people. So they, they had a pastor, but they really wanted to hire an associate pastor. So they offered me this job, and they said, hey, your salary will be $30,000 a year. But we can't actually afford to pay you anything. So you'll have to raise your own salary. And I, I was like... If I have to raise my own salary, why do you tell me how much it is? That doesn't make any sense. But uh, they said, so $30,000 a year, but you have to raise all of it. We're not going to give you a penny. And uh, and no benefits, no retirement, but we'd really like you to come. And so I prayed about it, and I was like, God, it seems obvious. I mean, what I want's right there, not this. But what's your will? And I went to that little new church outside of Washington, D.C., and I thought it was crazy, and we were scared, uh, but we prayed it, and we did it, and it went awesome. In two years, our church went from 80 people to 500 and something people, and it just was going amazing, and lives were being changed, and we're like, this is great. And after two years, the pastor met with me, and he said, Vince, things are going well. We've got critical mass going. We can pay your salary now. And so I left. I, uh, <laughs> I did. Well, my wife and I moved down to Virginia Beach, Virginia, to start a new church. We had, we had just been praying and just knew that was what God, or we thought that was what God wanted us to do. We, our church had my wife and I and my friend Tim and his wife, and we didn't know another person. Four people, which is nice when you like want your whole church to go somewhere because you all fit in one car. It's kind of good. But other than that, it's not cool. But uh, 
And so we have four people, but we just said, man, we're going to do this because and, and, I think this is where God's led us to. And, and so, man, it went amazing, like absolutely beyond my wildest dreams. And so hundreds of people came and lives were changed and it was just incredible. And we made great friends and we loved Virginia Beach and we had two kids and they grew up there and we loved it and we hung out at the beach. And, and but we just kept praying, God, what's your will? What do you want us to do with our lives? And, and eventually uh, I had this really weird day and I, which I can't even explain, where I was just overwhelmed with this idea that God wanted me to move from Virginia Beach and start another new church in Las Vegas on the Las Vegas Strip. And uh, I was like, God, that is about the last thing I would want to do with my life. Uh, I started a church. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and I do not want to do it again. And if I was to go anywhere, if I was to start a church, that's one of the last places I wouldn't want to go. Uh, we're from the East Coast. Our family's there. All our friends are there. We love Virginia Beach. I don't want to raise my kids in Sin City. You know, I don't want to live in the desert. It's like, th- that is crazy. And to be honest, I said, no. I was like, I will not do that. And uh, we ta- I talked to my wife, and she said, what if it really is God you know, kind of telling us that? And I said, he'll have to tell us a bunch more times and make it very clear and unfortunately, he did. And just crazy stories of strangers coming up to me and saying, have you ever thought about starting a church in Las Vegas on the Strip? And I'm like, what in the world? I mean, weird things. And, uh, and so eventually it was like, God, this is not my plan at all. I was planning to stay in Virginia Beach forever. But we'll do it. And so two weeks ago this weekend, we moved to Las Vegas. And uh, we've been there for 14 days. And I, I have to be honest and tell you, it's one of the most painful things we've ever done. Um, but we are really, really excited about starting this church. And the reason is because we get to be a part of bringing the kingdom of God to the Las Vegas Strip. That's incredible. Do you know that there's not a single church on the Las Vegas Strip? There's some good churches out in the suburbs, but there is nothing on or around the Strip. In fact, there are hundreds of thousands of people who live right around the Strip. And there are hundreds of thousands of people who work on the Strip. But there's not a single church Ever since I kind of felt this calling, I've been reading books about the Strip and about Las Vegas. Not like the glitz and glam, but like what's really going on in Las Vegas behind the scenes, what you can't see. It's been interesting. One of the authors, these are not Christian books or anything. There's books. Uh, One author called the Strip a disease, a nightmare, a paradise for the misbegotten. Another called it a modern amalgamation of Sodom, Gomorrah, and hell. You know, if if you read about the life of Jesus in the Bible, which if you haven't, you should. It will change your life. If you read about the life of Jesus in the Bible, you will see that he has this repeating pattern that he follows consistently where he will go into a town and he will go to the darkest places, the most godless places. And he will go to the people whose lives were just the most dark. You know, people who were broken and hurting, people whose lives were just enmeshed in sin. We are all sinners. I am. We all mess up. But the kind of people who everybody in town would go, we're all sinners, but that guy, whoa, you know, it's like he's for real. That's who Jesus would go to every single time. And so I've been praying this prayer, asking God this question, just wondering if Jesus came to America today, where would he go? And I don't know the answer, but I think there's a decent chance that he would go straight to the Las Vegas Strip. And so I've been thinking, <laughs> How horrible is it that the place that I think we could probably make the best argument Jesus would go is the place that Christians have absolutely forsaken. That the place Jesus would go, there's not a single church there. And so we are so excited. It's been hard, but uh, we are so excited about bringing the kingdom of God 
to the, to the strip in Vegas. And I wanna ask you guys to do me a huge favor and pray for us. Uh, we will need it big time. And if you would be willing to join our prayer team, we have a kind of a blog site set up. It's called thevegasproject.com. If you go there and subscribe, what will happen is you will get an email, email to you every morning, short little prayer request, not some long thing. You're gonna be like, I can't believe I got another one. It's just kind of a short paragraph saying, hey, today would you pray for this? And man, we need people to pray, so I would really appreciate that. Now listen, before I'm done, all those stories I shared, they're like big life change stories. You know, it's like, you know, should I go to law school or this? Should I take this job or that? But, but I, I want to tell you, so you don't get the wrong idea, that most of the time for me, and I suspect for you, praying this prayer, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life, and living it out is not a big fork in the road. You know, today's the day I have to decide about my life thing. Usually it's just kind of a, Get up in the morning and pray, God, today, today I want to do your will and, and show me the opportunities to do your will instead of mine because I will just, if left to my own devices, I will do my will time after time. And so, so make it clear to me and give me the strength and the wisdom to follow your will. And, uh, and, and so it's just this daily, little by little thing. Let, I'll share one story. At our church in Virginia Beach, on our staff, we encourage or kind of require uh, all the staff members to take one day a month for a day of prayer and fasting. It's just a day, it's like, hey, man, life is crazy, ministry is crazy. Go off by yourself and just spend a day with God. Just get by yourself and don't eat so that you have more time to, to focus on praying. And so we all do this monthly. And, uh, and, and uh, about a year ago, I did my prayer and fasting day at Burger King which I recognize is very odd. Uh, typically, I go to the beach and just hang out at the beach all day, or I'll go to a park sometimes. But I left in the morning planning, I'm going to go to the beach today. But it was like November, and it was uh, raining, and, and it was cold. And I was like, man, I'm not going to be outside. Where should I go? And I'm driving along thinking about where I should go, and there's Burger King. And I was like, it's weird. I'm not going to eat, but I could, I could sit in a booth in the back and, and do what I'm going to do. And, and so I was like, all right. So I, I pulled a Burger King. I got my, uh, my Bible and a journal, and I sit down, and I love this day. It's like my favorite day. It's just like, man, unwind and pray and kind of look at my life and talk to God. And so I'm excited. And so I open up my Bible, open my, up my journal, and I'm, I'm just getting ready when uh, the door of Burger King opens. There's lots of people in there at the moment. But this guy walks in, and he walks straight through Burger King to my booth. I, I kind of noticed him, and it looks like he's going to come up and talk to me. But he didn't come up and talk to me. He just starts pacing in front of my booth. Not the whole Burger King. There's lots of other people. But just in front of my little booth, back and forth. He's doing this little trip back and forth. And so this is my day for me. And so I'm trying real hard not to look up or make eye contact with the guy. Because, you know, I'm not here for you today. I'm here for me. And, but he just won't stop. He's just walking back and forth. And so finally, I just feel really bad. I'm kind of like, God? And I, I just feel like, man, you should probably ask him if he needs help or something. Because this is really weird. And, uh, and maybe he needs something. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to give up part of my day. And I'm like, hey, can I help you with something? So he starts talking, and I think he was from India. Uh, his, he has, like, broken English. It's very hard to exp- understand what he's trying to say. But, uh, and so I'm kind of getting it, but kind of not. And finally, he holds up this paper, and it's a job application for Burger King. And I was like, oh, do you, do you want to apply at Burger King? And he said, yes, yes. And I said, do you need help with the application? And he said, yes. And I, I said, okay, I can help you. Sit down. So he sits down. This, uh, this process of filling out the job application was about the hardest thing I've ever done. I can't tell you. Uh, he, he doesn't barely speak English. And then, like I say, uh, what's your address? I need to write your address. He doesn't have a home or an address. And so I'm like, 
let's make one up. And so I'm like, and so we're writing in an address and it says job experience. I said, do you have any experience? I think he said he was a cook. So I'm like, good enough. And so we write cook. And I said, well, I need to say where. It might've been India, but he might've said Indiana. So I'm like, Indiana, okay. I, I don't know. And so, but I want to help the guy. So we finally get through it. It literally took almost an hour of my day. And I'm like, so, but finally we get done. He's like, thank you. Thank you. I'm like, you're welcome. And he goes off and I'm like, all right. I lost an hour of my day with God, but that was cool. I got to help somebody. God, yeah, you're right. Your will was right there. Okay. And so, but I open up my Bible again and my journal again. It's like, all right, my time now. And like two minutes later, the guy comes right back to my table and he starts pacing in front of my table again. And I'm like, unreal. And I can't ignore him now because we're like friends. And so... I want to, I want to ignore him, but I can't. And so I'm like, seriously, God? And, uh, and so I'm like, all right. And so I said, maybe, maybe he's hungry. And so I said, hey, are, are you hungry? And he went, yes, yes. And so I said, I can give you some money. So I got out my wallet and I gave him a few dollars and he appreciated it. Like he really appreciated it. This guy, no lie, grabs both of my hands takes my hands and he starts saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, and rubbing my hands all up and down his body and face. And so I'm, he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, you're welcome, you're welcome. I'm all in his hair and on his face and up and down his body. And I'm like, what in the, this is weird. Ugh. And, uh, and he's like, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, you're welcome. And so finally he goes off and I'm like, what? Okay, um, I guess that, you know, that would be a funny story later, later, maybe. I guess your will was good there. I don't know. That was weird. All right. Wow. And so I get out my Bible again, and I open up my journal, and like two minutes later, he's back with his food, and he just sits down. This time, he's like, hi. I'm like, hey. So I close my Bible, and I'm like, Pfft. And so, uh, so, he, so I'm like, maybe he's probably just lonely and needs a friend. And so I'm like, I'll talk to him for a little bit. And so I start asking him questions about him and his family, where he's from. And, uh, and then he asked me about my Bible. He points to my Bible and he's like, what's this? And, and I was like, okay, may, maybe this is like a chance to like kind of talk to him about God. This might end up being cool. I, uh, maybe I'm seeing something here. And so I start trying to tell him about what the Bible is and about God. And then finally I say the word Jesus. And he goes, oh, oh, Jesus. And I was like, yeah. And he's all excited. He gets out his wallet and he starts flipping through and he shows me that he has a picture of Jesus in his wallet. Not an actual picture, you understand, <laughs> right? Okay, we're on, okay. And, but, but he has a picture of Jesus and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, kind of excited. I'm like, oh, maybe this guy like knows Jesus. This might be kind of cool. But then he flips and he's like, oh, and he flips and he's got a picture of Buddha and he flips again and he's like, be Arthur, Reggie Jackson, a go. I mean, it's just this bizarre, David Beckham. I'm like, what? And it's just this bizarre collection of pictures. And so the whole Jesus thing is kind of out the window. And uh, so he's all excited. He shows me all his pictures and he looks at me very seriously. And he says, do you know what God's name is? And I said, yes, I do. I said, that's exactly what I'm trying to share with you. God's name is Jesus. We can know God because of Jesus. And he went, no, 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 no. And I said, okay. And he said, God's name is 21. I said, okay. He said, do you understand? And I said, I understand that you think God's name is 21. And he went, no, 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 no. And he gets real serious. And he says, name of God 
21. Do you understand? And I said, yeah, you think God's name is 21? He went, no, no, really loud. Everybody's looking over. I'm like, and so he's like, no. And he says, God, God named 21. I'm like, 20. And he's like, no. I'm like, you're, I said, you're going to have to try to explain this. And so he tries to explain it. I'm pretty sure, I'm not positive because it was so hard to understand. I'm pretty sure what he was trying to say is that he believes there's 21 different world religions that we all call God by different names and thinks he, think he's different gods, but really we all worship the same God, so he's got 21 different names. And I was like, oh. I said, I think I understand what, what you believe. And I, I honor your, you know, your right to believe that. I said, that's not what I believe. I, I believe there's one God. And his name is Jesus. And he went, no. And I said, yeah, I know. And, um, but then he looked really seriously at me and he said, do you know God's name today? And I said, yeah, 21. And he went, no. And I'm like, dude, I cannot win with you. What is your deal? You're 21, right? And he said, no. And, and so he looks at me and he's like, today, you are God to me. And I said, no. I said, you don't understand. I am trying to, like, tell you about God and show you God, but I am not God. And he said, no, no. He said, today, you help me, you feed me, you love me. Who is God? God helps us. He feeds us. He loves us. Today, you are God to me. And you know what? In one sense... He was theologically wrong because I am not God. You, you can ask my wife. I'm not. But there is a sense in which that guy was right because God has asked us to share him with the world, to represent him to the world, to show his love to the world, and to bring his kingdom to earth. And sometimes we do that. We always do it by following his will. And sometimes following his will is buying a homeless guy lunch. Or sometimes it's moving to Las Vegas when you don't really want to. Or sometimes it might be offering to babysit for a single mom and saying, hey, I'm going to be your regular babysitter and you're never going to pay me and I just want you to be able to go and have some time on your own. That might be it. Or or it it might be listening to another parent at the soccer game who just goes on and on about their problems and really listening to them. Or it might be... uh, offering to go to a, a funeral with a coworker who needs someone to, to be with them. Or, or it might be just taking a deep breath and getting up your courage and sharing your faith with somebody in a real loving way and inviting them to K2. It, we are called to, to get up every morning and pray this prayer. God, today, your kingdom come in my life. I want to be a kingdom person. I want it to be about your kingdom, not mine. And God, your will be done, not my will. God, show me what your will is at all the little intersections of my life and give me the courage and the faith and the strength to do what it is that you want me to do. And here's what I found. All those different times, and I've got lots of stories. I could come up here and share story after story of times I haven't done God's will. So today, uh, Dave said, hey, share some stories where this, you know, you did it. And I was like, okay, I like those stories better. But, um, but what I found is that when I do God's will instead of mine, Man, my life is always better. I never want to, but it's always the right path for me. And my life always becomes more of an adventure than I could have ever dreamed. And this whole thing, this prayer, this your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven is really good stuff. It really is. And so I'm going to pray that for us real quick. And then Dave's going to come up and talk for a few more minutes, I think, and close you out. But God, I I just pray. It's such a struggle for me. And uh, 
I, like I said, I could have shared a bunch of stories where I didn't do it. Um, and I, I'm sure it's a struggle for all of us. So I just pray, God, that today wouldn't just be another normal Sunday morning where we went to church and heard something and it was kind of good and we went home. I pray today would be a day for me and for everybody in this room where we say, you know what, God? I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm gonna step across it and I wanna live life as a true kingdom person. And from this day forward, I wanna do your will, not mine. Thank you for having a will for my life, for loving me and, and having a path that you know is best for me. And God, would you help me to trust you and to follow your path? God, thanks for Jesus. And I pray in his name, amen. Before we kind of just um, give ourselves a chance to really respond to this, I just I want to kind of just bring this home before we do, just to some really practical stuff. Because, like Vince said, I mean, there, there, are, there are big things that God wants to do in our life, but it is a daily, regular kind of conflict between God's will and my will. And that's why it needs to be a daily, regular practice of prayer to be able to get to this place where His will is actually done. And I, I just know for me... Um, this portion of my prayer, many days, is a big part of the time that I have to spend with him. Um, because I don't want to leave my prayer time until I actually really know that I do want his will done. And sometimes that war can take a while. So it takes a few things. One, it takes confession. One of the things you might have to do when you pray is just confess to God that you have not been following his will. And, um, and that can happen probably every day as well where you just kind of let him know. It's like, man, I am really struggling in this area to follow you. And that confession to God is when he, what he looks for because then he says, I'll forgive you and I'll cleanse you, I'll help you. And I think that leads me to the next thing is the next thing is you got to get to a place in the prayer where you're not just reciting the Lord's Prayer, but where you really are saying, I do want your will to be done. All, I think what that really is, you guys, is just surrender. I think in your time of prayer with God to really know him, to really engage with him, where things begin to change, you have to get to a point where in this prayer time with him, you surrender and you let him be the king inside your heart. Now, can I just say, um, for any of us who've ever tried to do that, I, I think it's really hard. And so there's a couple things I do. One is, I ask God to help me. See, in my nature, does not naturally want to follow God. I want to follow my life. I want to follow my plans. But his nature, the Holy Spirit who lives inside me once I receive Christ, the Holy Spirit inside me always wants to follow God's will. So there's the tension inside. And so what you do is you ask him for grace. There's another passage I've been praying. It's another prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm trying to pray it like all the time. And it simply says this. He goes, I pray that you would strengthen me with power through the Holy Spirit in my inner being so that Christ will dwell in my heart through faith. I love that prayer because it says, God, it is up to you actually, I guess, to strengthen me with power internally so that I actually will follow you. See, it's the Spirit of God that follows him, not the human nature. And so I ask for his help. Does that make sense? When you're praying, ask God for his grace to give you what you need so that you'll actually want to do his will. And then sometimes, you guys, it gets to the point where I don't know. You ever been to a place where you just don't know what his will is and you're really struggling with what it is? Then I pray, don't let me make the wrong decision. 
because I know I'm very capable of making the wrong decision. But I don't want to, God. And in my prayer time, I'll just let him know. It's like, I'm telling you right now, I want your will more than my own, but I don't trust me to get there. Don't let me make a wrong decision. And I'm telling you, God will come and he'll help you with what you need. And so, and you know what's cool about this, you guys? Is it isn't just a prayer for yourself. The prayer for the kingdom to come is for God's power to come. It's for his authority to come. And it's for his reign to come. And you know what's great is you can pray that for other people. Man, this is something, if you're a parent, you should be praying for your kids, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, and your kids, for your spouse, neighbors, friends, co-workers, anyone you know, even not just people. And I pray for this church in general, that God's kingdom would come at K2. I pray for Salt Lake and for Sugar House and my neighborhood, and I, I want to see God's power and his authority done. Now, one last thing before we close, and that is for some of you in here, you have actually never prayed this prayer. Maybe you've recited it, but you've actually never said, I actually want your will to be done, God, more in my life. Um, Just real quick, there's a story in John 3 where this, again, a religious leader comes up to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not with him. This guy comes up and he goes, Jesus, you are amazing. We know you must have come from God. And this is what Jesus tells him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And Nicodemus said, well, surely, how how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. I mean, this guy, get it? He's not getting it. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God, the reign of God, unless he is born of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Here's what I just want to let you know. For you to ever get to a place where your life gets enmeshed with God's, and all of a sudden His will starts to be done in your life, His kingdom, what Jesus said is, that will never happen unless you have a spiritual transaction that takes place in your heart. You need to be born again. And how does that happen? It happens by maybe even today, anytime, when you would say, I want you to come into me and to be the king in my life. And if you'll do that, what he says is, I will change you. Be careful about that prayer because he will change you. Will he not change you, Vince? And what I love about your story is how you went from zero belief that that could happen to eventually, I love the 51. I think there's more of a chance. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you believe and he changes you. So if that's what you're looking for, the first thing that some of you might need to do is to say, okay, Jesus, apparently for me to ever have you reign in my life, I'm going to need you to run it. And I want to invite you in. So what we're going to do is the band comes up. Is we're only going to do just one song today. And, but we're going to give us a chance to worship. We're not just going to sing a song. The reason we do this again, you guys, is because right now we've given you some information today. And it's in your head. But what has to happen with this information of what it means to pray for your kingdom to come, you need to get it now down into your heart. And so if you're a Christian today and you've been struggling to really want his will to be done in your life, this song is just, I'm ready now. <laughs>
And we just wanted to say, if you feel like you've met with God today and engaged with him, and he's made you aware of an area that isn't surrendered to him, then during this song, I would say, in your heart, get it from your head to your heart and sing it to him and tell him, I'm ready now. And then maybe for some of you, maybe that's the first time you'll actually say those words to him and let Jesus Christ come into your life so he can start giving you the life that you were created to have and so he can start changing the world through you. Now, it's very cool. We're going to take our offering, which is perfect. If you're visiting, you know, there's never any pressure here for finances because K2 doesn't need your money. It's not about money, but Jesus says it's perfect time. He says, but where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. And so, man, as you, if you came prepared to give and you give it, just that's another form for you to say, I'm ready, God. You have my life and you do whatever you want. All right? So let's stand together. Let's all stand together and let's worship and engage with God in this final song.